Hey, we almost match. I know. Hey, wearing red. Welcome back to North Point Plus, episode 116. And uh, Rick and I over here, we coordinated before this podcast to make sure that we're matching and on theme with nice. uh, Ohio Buckeyes. Ohio State Buckeyes. Oh, Ohio State. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Ohio State University. Yeah. yeah, I know. I hear y'all yeah. in the background. I've been I, educated. Yeah. No, uh, I, I hear all the Michigan fans oh. saying, who cares? Probably, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, so my name's Chris Sullivan, and I am here with uh, Pastor Rick Rubel. Yes, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Happy holidays. That's there right. we go. All of the all of the above. Did you have a good um, Thanksgiving? I I had a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> the food was excellent. That, that's good. Yeah. I know a really good cook, so. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I think she was the same cook. Yeah. Uh I feel blessed um that we were able to come and uh share a meal with you guys. So that was really awesome. Um, and especially because, you know, my husband and I, we, um, I, well, me, I don't have family here. Um, right. and so, and our in-laws are up North. So it was really nice to, um, have community. Yes. To be your extended family. Yeah. That's right. It was good, good times. Yeah, for sure. Lots um, to be thankful for. Agreed. Thank yeah. you. Um, okay. So this message this week was come before winter. Uh, those three words were actually really powerful of a message. Uh, kind of have some questions about it, but I wanted to get a little bit of a recap for those who are tuning in. Of what did we talk about this past Sunday? Yeah. The, um, just in my intro, I talked about the fact that, um, one of my mentors, um, preached roughly the same sermon mm-hmm. 25 years in a row. And uh, I was there for 12 of them and heard it all the time. Um, and and while, while we would give him grief sometimes about that because it was the same sermon, the message still was just really powerful. It's yeah. that, that the whole concept is that, that Paul writes to Timothy and says, I need you to come, come, come before winter. Um, I need you to bring my cloak. I need you to bring some stuff uh, for me to study. Yeah. Um, but I need you. And, and the fact that Timothy could have said, oh, you know, I got this to do, I got this to do, I got this to do. And if he had, would have waited, he probably wouldn't have gotten there until after Paul died. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, whole, the whole thrust of the message is there are things that, that the Holy Spirit's prompting us to do that if we don't respond... If we miss the opportunity, that opportunity will never come back. And so um, it really is. It's, uh, I talked about really three different aspects. One is, uh, and I didn't spend a lot of time talking about this, but, but a call to improve ourselves, to, to yeah. be a better person. To, yeah, it's, it is that sense of, you know, you, you hear all the time about somebody who says, yeah, I was going to go to college, I took a gap year, and then I got a job, and now I'm 50 years old and I never went to college, and I really wish I had. There, there are some things that if we, right. don't, if we don't take that step and do it at that time, that the opportunity goes away. Um, and then there is a call to relationships, uh, a, a call to, to make relationships right, whether that is reconciling with somebody that you've been estranged from, whether mm-hmm. it's forgiving somebody that maybe you've hurt, maybe it's just reaching out with appreciation to, to say to someone, yeah. man, you had such a significant role in my life, and I don't know that I've ever told you, or I haven't told you enough. Um, and that may be, you know, parents, siblings, 
uh, mentors, whoever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then the third aspect of the of that whole um, come before winter call really is a spiritual one that that says, right. where where God says, here's a step I, that that you need to take, and maybe that's to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Maybe it's to um, to make some changes in terms of allowing God to have control in an area that you've tried to retain control of, mm. um, but that 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 opportunity that we have to do that um, we need to take advantage of. Uh, especially, I think when the Holy Spirit Spirit prompts us, the more we delay, the greater foothold Satan has. So oh, we we talked yeah. about. You know, in Rooted, we talked about strongholds, strongholds that exist in our lives. And sometimes those strongholds just become stronger because we know that we need God's Spirit to move and to change us. And we just keep saying, yeah, yes, yes, later. And, And the stronghold just keeps getting stronger. So that that really is the whole thrust of come before winter, and I, man, if you uh, if you heard the message and took some action, I would love for you to send me an email, write me a note, whatever, and say, hey, I reached out to my mom. I haven't talked to her in years, or my you know my sibling, who, whoever it is. Right. Um, that that would just be a, a real cool thing. I'd really love to hear those stories. Yeah. That that could be really cool. Um, I like that there were three clear points, and I feel like there could be takeaways from each one yeah. or maybe something that was just on somebody's heart, um, one of them. And uh, the last one, as far as like God calling and spiritual obedience, we had some really amazing call to action um, just on Sunday. And it was just right away. And that was cool that they took that next step. Do you want to talk a little bit Uh, about that? Yeah, uh, I'd love to. So um, if you were here or if you watched online, whatever, Stacy and Sammy LaMaccia were baptized, a mom and her daughter. And it was really cool because after that service, um, Stacy's older daughter, Morgan, came up and said, is there any way I could be baptized too? I, yes. I need to take. <laughs> and so uh, she was talking to to Carrie Bayshore, one of our elders, and Carrie said, hey, would you mind putting your clothes back on and doing a baptism um, after second service? And I said, nah, I wouldn't mind at all. Uh, and I did think through, you know, putting wet clothes on. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, a, that's, yeah. Yeah, I was happy to. It was it was a really cool thing. Yeah. And so after second service, some people stuck around. The Lamasha family came back because Morgan had had gone home to get some clothes, and um and we celebrated her baptism, Morgan's baptism as well, mm-hmm. which was really cool. So I got changed again, came down, got all my stuff, ready to leave, and and uh, there was a, another guy who has not been coming to North Point for very long, but has been really wrestling with God for years and years. Okay. And and he just came up and said, hey, can we talk? And pretty much everybody's gone by that point in time. And, uh, and I said, yeah. So we sat down and talked, and we, we talked for, I don't know, half hour, 40 minutes, whatever. And, um, and he just really was wrestling with knowing God's call on his life. Mm-hmm and recognizing that he's never really responded to that and that, that uh, like all of us, um, his life's a wreck w- without, without Jesus. Yeah. And, um, and so ultimately we prayed, he prayed an incredible prayer, just re- uh, repenting and asking Jesus to come in and take control of his life. And when we were done, I said, you want to be baptized? And he said, I was really hoping we could. So oh, I went back amazing. and put my wet clothes on a, a second time. <laughs> right. 
And, uh, and just he and I, just he and uh, Edwin and I uh, in the baptistry. And it was, it just was really, really cool. It was a very, very special day. And heaven celebrated. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Big, big rejoicing. I got a picture, but obviously didn't get video because I couldn't baptize and video at the same yeah. time. So yeah, it was, it was great. So amazing though, that, you know, he heard that message and yeah. responded yeah. right away. Yeah. And and it just reminded me, um, there are so many of the things that Edwin shared are are just common to all of us. Um, we God calls to us, and we say, you know, I'm not good enough. I've never been able to do that before. I've tried to I've tried to fix things, and and the thing that we talked about was, um, we're always going to fail when we try, but yeah. when we give. God control um, when when our desire is to just let Him have the reins. Right. That that at that point everything really kind of changes, and He supplies the power through His Holy Spirit to bring about life change stuff. And that mm-hmm. that there really is this promise in Scripture that 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 when we come to Jesus, when we're, when we're baptized, that the old person dies and a new person um, is raised to life, and that in that new person. Um, all of the stuff from the old doesn't have the same power that it had before because the Holy Spirit lives in us. So yeah. it was cool. It was really, really cool. That's just amazing. Yeah. It's so exciting to see. And uh, you sent out a, an email recently to the church talking yeah. about some of the really cool things that have happened this year and things that you're looking back on. And one of the things was the number of baptisms that yeah. we've had this past year. Um, do you have that number? Bef- yeah, I think... I think in the email, because I, I went through and checked, and I think that that number was complete. And, th- and that included, I knew Stacy and, and Sammy were going to be baptized. So I think that's, that's 14 for, for the year, wow. which is cool. It's, it's, um, I, my, you know, my prayer is that that number would be twice or three times that every year. But um, God's working. And, and um, well, I know that we're going to have some more baptisms before the end of the year. So uh, that's a really cool thing. It's yeah. amazing. It's such yeah. a cool celebration to come alongside, yeah. um, you know, our brothers and sisters and just get to be there. And, you know, I really encourage everybody, especially when they hear that somebody's getting baptized that day, just stay after, yeah. you know, if they're not doing it in service, you know, and just be there to encourage them because it is such a big step that they're choosing. And why not celebrate with them? Because, you know, as I said, heaven is celebrating. That's right. Yeah. And um, a, a whole bunch of years ago, I remember hearing um, a preacher sociologist, uh, Tony Campolo, talk about the, the one thing that he felt like could change the dynamic of marriages in America. This is related, although it's a little convoluted path. Um, and and uh, somebody said, what is that? And he said, he said, I think that if we required every married couple to attend three weddings every year, Mm-hmm. Um, divorce would would become uh, it would become a much much smaller number because when you sit in a wedding and watch someone say, um, "I do, I, te- I I promise to have and hold from this day forward till death do us part," that when you hear them say those vows, it takes you back to the place where you said those vows, mm-hmm. and and it just reinforces that. And I think the same thing is true when, when we share in somebody's baptism, that, that it, there really is this sense of, oh yeah, I remember, I remember that moment that I went into the water, came out of the water. Um, Edwin yesterday, it was, it was really fun when we were talking and I, and I said, one of the things I hear so consistently from people, and you and John were just baptized, yeah. but um, the, uh, 
one of the things that I've heard so consistently from people when they come out of the water afterwards and you say, how do you feel? The, the consistent word is clean. You mm. know, it, it, it's, yeah. I just have this sense that everything's fresh and new. And, um, and so after Edwin was baptized, I said, how do you feel? And he said, clean. He said, you That's got beautiful. it. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I feel like there was just this peace, um, for me, uh, after yeah. doing it. And, uh, you know, John and I, we got baptized this year, which was a really cool step, yeah. um, to just say, this is a, a rededication of what God is doing in our lives right now. And he's just moving and, um, yeah. and it's just really cool to have that. Yeah. yeah. It's, so. it's just fun to see how he's working in so many corners of North Point. Yeah. And, um, and, and, uh, and what's happening as a result of that, uh, how, how you guys take a step of obedience, um, you guys serve and how that's touching other people's lives mm -hmm. and the steps that they're taking now, um, as a result, of, it's just, it's cool. It's yeah. humbling yes. to know that you're one, you're being fed by God, but also what is he doing through me and the other people that we're touching because we're being obedient is I mean, that's yeah. the only way I can say it. It's, it's just humbling yeah. and awe-inspiring. So because it's not about us, it's it's not yeah. you know it's not about it's not about me and the message from Sunday. It's you know it. God is the one who does the work. God yeah. is the one who calls us to action. God is the one who empowers us to be able to to do the action. And um, it's just it's a cool thing to be a part of His story. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Um, so talking about these three points, and you kind of mentioned, uh, you know, what is that call and what were on people's hearts? So I wanted to share a little bit of a story with you cool. that I felt called in the message, um, listening to it. Uh, and it's just, I keep saying that, but the three little words, it's just such a big message with out of those three little words. Um, but for me, I really thought about it when you were preaching of, okay, what is God prompting me to do? And, and you know, making sure that time doesn't run out is kind of what I was hearing yeah. before. It's too late um, because, you know, tomorrow's never promised. <laughs> and I've actually been thinking about my grandparents a lot and they live in Texas and I haven't seen them. It's been a year and a half since I've seen them, but that time period was during the death of my mom and things have really been yeah. kind of forced. Um, I mean, forced, but, uh, chaotic, I guess you could say, and, yeah. and emotional, um, in the times that I did see them trying. Um, and so the last couple of times that I did see them, it was all around, you know, my mom passing and us dealing with funeral arrangements. And, um, and I just have felt like we really needed that time of connection, um, and family. And I felt like they really needed, um, to see a part of my mom in me too, mm. to have yeah. that connection. And I've been putting it off as far as, you know, booking tickets and going. And so I just, when you were talking, I thought about them and I, I wrote their names down and I was like, grandma, grandpa, Bonnie, uh, Tody. And, um, and so, uh, I went home cause my husband wasn't feeling well on Sunday. And so he was staying home. And so I told him, I was like, okay, you're going to have to listen to the message, but this is what I got out of it. And I think that we need to go. And so I booked tickets and, um, you know, we found a good deal and I'm going to go to see them in January. But I felt like, you know, Timothy, right. I didn't want to wait until right. time had passed, you know, um, and it was just too precious to me. That's so, that's so great, Chris. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a great story. It's, it is funny. Um, that sense of come before winter. What do, what do you need to do? Yeah. Because it's so easy to put stuff off. Um, 
the, I, 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 it's funny because I feel like I have so many come before winter stories that are good and bad. But like, yeah. like you, um, over the weekend, um, with my four siblings, we have, we've booked a cruise together. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the five of us and our spouses are, are going on this trip and we all love each other. We, you know, we get along well, so it's not a chore kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it, it is one of those things that, that it is very easy to think, oh yeah, we'll do that sometime. Right. We'll, we'll yeah, we'll do that maybe next year or whatever. And, and the, and it, and there's cost involved in that. I yeah. not just financial cost. There's a cost in working out all the arrangements, working out all the schedule, clearing mm-hmm. your, you know, uh, having other people cover your responsibilities, all those kinds of things. But I'm 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 just looking forward to what God's going to do in that in terms of of us having the the chance to be together. And right. and there is no there is no guarantee for any of us. You know. Uh, my siblings, uh, three of my siblings are older than I am. And so it's like, it's not, it's not like we're anybody sick or anything, but you never know. You never know when, when our time on earth is done. And so having a chance to enjoy time with your grandparents and have good situation with them, um, man, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. A positive interaction to, Yeah. yeah. No, I think that that's cool too. Um, I feel like there's probably, you know, many different calls that you could have gotten from the message. You know, obviously, where is God calling you? Um, some people felt led to give their life to Jesus and got yeah. baptized. Um, maybe it's a bigger step with some of the things that we're doing at North Point, whether that's giving um, to Chamani uh, and to the school that's being built, or even just to Lansing and right. donating to the toy drive. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, you know, people are maybe writing them down and thinking about uh, responding and being obedient to what God was calling them to during the message. But it kind of led me to the question that we got. We only got one, but um, I've got a few questions for you. Okay. Okay. So uh, I thought God was calling me to do something, but lately I haven't been feeling peace about it. How do I know the difference between God not calling me and just getting cold feet? That's a great question, and it's really squishy in terms of the answer. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to it it's hard to read into um, options that we have in knowing. Okay, is God in this or not? And I think um, I, I think sometimes it's really helpful when we have a sense of calling from God to do something to write it down and to write down why we think that is. Mm-hmm. Some, sometimes it's just I just have this sense, and that's enough. But um, but when we write it and say, I'm convinced that God wants me to do X, Y, Z, that if we can come back and see that again, it's like, yeah, I, I have tried to discount that, hmm. but, it, but it was real, and I, and I need to pursue that. Sometimes I think in the emotion of a moment, we can, um, we can think, oh, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do, and then the emotion goes, and it, and it kinds of, kind of fades, Sometimes in the emotion of a moment, we make a decision, and God honors that, that, that God is in that. There isn't yeah. any way to really know, except, I think, to have some people around you that you can say, just, just listen while I talk, let me process out loud, and then you guys ask me good questions. Mm-hmm. I think that's why life group, disciple-making friendship, whatever it is, a mentor, that you can say, here's what I think I'm supposed to do. Does this make sense? Or are there are there things that maybe might keep me from doing that? And um, 
and sometimes, sometimes, frankly, we get cold feet because we're scared. Sometimes we get cold feet because we don't really want to do it. Yeah. Um, sometimes we get cold feet because I think Satan gets in our minds and gives us all the reasons why we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And, and we listen to that. Um, you know, it's, it's fun. I hadn't planned on talking about this, but let me, let me just tell a, uh, a little bit of uh, a, a great example of this. So when I was um, 17 at church camp, um, God was moving, working in my life, and, um, and they gave an invitation. Part of the invitation was to give your life to Jesus. Part of the invitation was to give your life to vocational Christian service, you know, to, mm-hmm. to be a, a minister or a missionary or whatever. And, um, and I went forward and, and said, you know, I think God's calling me to ministry. That was when I was 17. Wow. Um, and I came back home from camp and thought, yeah, that's not what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> um, uh, that, because because full time Christian service, I thought I you know I the conversation I had in my mind, I can be a, I can be a high school teacher, football coach, and be a full time Christian servant. I can that can be okay. my ministry. And so I went to Bible college, and and not planning on being a vocational minister, even though I had made that commitment. I, I had kind of just kind of rationalized it. Hmm. Um, and so, so, you know, the famous story that I've told millions of times that Deb said, I don't want to get married. I don't want to have kids. I don't want to marry a minister was no big deal because I didn't want to be a minister. I, I didn't think that that's what I was supposed to do. But that decision at camp, you know, five years later, um, when we were driving back and forth and, and we both together said, I think God has really prepared us to do this. Mm-hmm. That that came back through. I, I mean, it was easy to look back at that decision from camp and say, "Yeah, that was a that was a real decision, a real response to the Holy Spirit." Yeah. And I just put it off. You know, I I just discounted it. And um and so I I think that there it it's just hard to know unless you ha- have some people that can help you process that can help you pray. Um, and sometimes it feels like, do I need to talk to somebody about going and ask forgiveness for my college friend that I, you know, that I punched in the mouth or whatever it is? Um, yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Or maybe maybe it's just a really short conversation to say, did you hurt him? Did you do it intentionally? Yeah, you need to go ask for forgiveness. You, you need yeah. to go make it right. Um, because it gets the conversation out of our mind. And and kind of puts it on the table and makes it makes the um, the it gives clarity to the whole situation. I think sometimes though forgiveness can be, and it might just be that we have to actually go out and interact with that person. Um, but it could just be that we are forgiving them through our relationship with God and giving it over to God. Yep. It may not be that we actually have to go and have a conversation with that person. But it might. It, yeah, <laughs> it could be. It so, could be. Sometimes we rationalize <clears throat> and say, God, if I ask for forgiveness for you, I don't really have to go talk to them. But sometimes sometimes the people are gone. Yeah. You know, we can't, we don't have the ability to go back and, and fix that relationship. Um, and uh, it's easy to talk about in the context of relationships, but the same thing is true about, um, you know, any kind of decision that the Holy Spirit's prompted us to do, to say, okay, yeah, I thought I was going to lead a life group, but that seems like such a goofy idea. That maybe I can't do that. And, and, um, 
It could also be timing too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you, yep. you got that message when you were 17 and, but God still needed to prepare some things in you. Yes. You were still obedient to it years later. And so that's really the core of it, right? We have to be right. obedient to God, but it could just be, he's letting you know, I'm working something yep. in you and, yeah. you know, yeah. and, he's, and he's, he's the one doing the work. Right. Yeah. Um, because us leading a life group, my husband and I, um, I had thought that we should lead a life group way before we made the step. Yep. But I feel like when we did, we were both ready and God had equipped us right. to move forward. Yeah, I, yeah. And I think I think that his prompting was a part of the process oh, to, yeah. to get you both to the place that you finally made that decision, which, which is the way that God works. He, he does things in his way, in his right. timing. And uh, we get in trouble when we try and force stuff. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I did have a couple of questions just about the text that I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, so looking back and realizing that we need to forgive and let go because we were just talking about this, um, do you think that that was hard for Paul, forgiving, because he talked about forgiving Mark? Um, and I thought that was a really interesting nuance. And do you think that that was hard for him? Or what can you gather from the text about that relationship in that instance? I, I think when you... When you read between the lines, when you know the the white space of scripture to try and say, okay, how did how did Paul get from where he was in Acts fifteen to where he is in Second Timothy, mm-hmm. um, that he says, man, I need Mark, bring him. He's he's useful to me in ministry. Um, I think that probably what happened. Um, let me pause just for a second and say this. It's just interesting that Barnabas, who goes with Paul on this first missionary journey. And is so key to Paul's development, so key to um, the gospel going forward. Mm-hmm. When Barnabas makes the decision to stick with John Mark, that's the last we hear of Barnabas in Scripture. Oh, okay. It's it's like he went from being the guy to being nobody in terms of the New Testament, which is just that's really interesting, interesting to yeah. me. Paul becomes the guy, you know, he takes over and, and he, he has the place of prominence in the, in the last half of the book of Acts. Um, and, and Paul very clearly was a strong leader, strong individual, mm-hmm. clear thinker, clear sense of right and wrong, you know, where, where to go, what to do, which is why his life changed so dramatically from persecuting Christians to becoming a follower of Jesus, writing two-thirds of the New Testament. Um, I think that what happened as uh, probably as Barnabas and um, and John Mark go off on their own journey, that over time Paul realized, oh, you know what, John Mark really did have his stuff together, mm-hmm. and Barnabas, Barnabas being with him helped him grow. It helped him develop. It it yeah. brought him along. And I was probably too harsh in that. And that, so when Paul gets to the end of his life, it's not like, uh, I think he's probably had interaction with John Mark over those years and just realized, you know what, that um, God has used him in a really cool way. And I, yeah. I think that probably during those years, they they were together in multiple places. And, um, and, and, and so when he says, bring, bring John Mark, along because he's helpful, it's because he had been helpful in ministry, not just in Acts 13, mm-hmm. but in the years in between. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, we kind of talked about this, but um, 
why should we not let winter come on our unforgiveness? What are the effects of that? Yeah, I, I think um, I think that um, in terms of relationships, when we don't respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting, um, what, what happens in terms of our relationships with people, it's really easy for that door to be closed mm, yeah. forever. If somebody dies, you don't have a chance to go back and make that right. Um, you, you can still, God can still do stuff with you and through you relative to that, but there's not anything like just being able to make things right with a person and, and release that burden um, from something that's happened in the past. Yeah. Um, and, and we just don't have any guarantees. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, I was part of funeral just a few weeks ago. And, and one of the family members of the, of the person who died uh, just kept saying, come back, come back, come back at, at the casket, yeah. come back. And, you know, you don't, when somebody, when somebody dies, you don't have a chance to go back and ask for forgiveness. You don't have a chance to go back and tell them that you love them. You don't have a chance to go back and, and um, treat them with honor. You, you, you just don't get that chance again. And so that call to come before winter, it really is, yeah, take that step now. Yeah. Hopefully we learn that lesson sooner rather than later. Um, and, you know, for our younger people at North Point who are, you know, coming and growing and listening to these messages, like they really have a chance to right. um, to understand and apply these things in their life now versus, you know, me waiting till later in life to really grow in my later faith. Later in so, life? Yeah. In well, 30s. you know. <laughs> yeah. Later in life, yeah. yeah. Well, you know what I mean, relative. Well, later I, in my life. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> it is relative. I, I do think that it's what's hard is it's easy, even if we know the right thing, mm -hmm. it's easy to kind of rationalize. Like um, the, um, there are lots of, lots of places that I can point to that where I have responded to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and, um, and God's used that in cool ways. And I, and there are there are equally a large number of times that I have missed the boat and that I that you just can't get it back. I, the the biggest one for me and um you know I've I've talked a lot about my mom and dad. Um, I had great relationship with my dad. Um, when my dad died, I was in the process of thinking I've got to get to Cincinnati to see dad. I've got to get to Cincinnati to see dad. But I've got this on my schedule. I've got this on my schedule. I don't know that I can make it down and back in a day. And my sister called, and and Dad was gone. Now, that doesn't grieve me deeply because of my relationship with my dad. But man, I wish I could have. I'm, I wish I could have gone down one more time. My aunt yeah. that just passed away in September, um, we made the decision to go see her, and um, and she had Alzheimer's. You know, I don't know that she knew that we were there. But we made the decision to go and spend a few hours with her, and and I'm so grateful that we did because otherwise it would have been a number of months before she died that, that we'd have seen her. As it was, it was it was uh, just a matter of weeks before she died. Um, so there, um, I don't know that we necessarily get better with age. I I think 
we can be a little bit more attuned and um, and that we can prompt each other to say, oh, man, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Yeah. And, and, and to take the step to do those things. I, I said in the message um, about about our decision to go see Ken and Jan um, in in uh, just outside D.C. in Northern Virginia. I, I, I mean, I remember sitting in my office thinking, can I really get away that day early? I should, we've got to be there for the wedding. I, now I think I'm just going to go ahead and stay and work. And I said something to Deb and she said, no, we need to go see him. And, and she was absolutely right. Because if we had missed that, uh, we just would have never, uh, we wouldn't have had that opportunity again. Yeah, so, such yeah. a good memory for you guys, too. Yeah. And we were was, talking about it. It was. And uh, you you gave me some good advice, too, and I'm sure that's probably from your experiences. So when you talk about, you know, wisdom from other people. Um, but when my mom was ill and we had, I had gone back and forth over the last couple of years so many times thinking, oh, this might be the last. And, you know, and then in the last bit when she really was declining, I remember we had that conversation and you were like, it's just better to go. You don't yep. want to miss out. Yep. And so that was just really helpful to me to get that advice from somebody that I trusted and cared about right. knowing, you know, I should go and I don't regret that time. So yep. you'll, I think when we come before winter, we will never regret yeah. coming before winter. It's not like you ever take that step and say, oh man, what I do that for? That was I don't think I just don't think it happens because yeah. if the Holy Spirit's prompting, um, God's going to do good stuff. It's in always that. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yep. Um, okay, so Timothy was called a son in faith, and I really liked when you said that, uh, and when you were talking about it, and I thought that's really a beautiful title. Um, can you discuss a little bit of their closeness and what that relationship looked like between Paul and Timothy? Yeah. Um, so. So if you read First and Second Timothy, if you read those those two letters, they're not long. They're they're really easy to read, and it's Paul writing to Timothy, and and you, uh, you just you can read between the lines and, and see Paul's deep love for Timothy and the investment that he had made in him as as he just pours into him and says, "This is what it's about to be a um, uh, minister of the gospel. This is this is what you need to do. This is how you need to be." And so. Um, the uh, the that the language that he that that I used in the message, um, a son in the faith. Um, it's it's fun. I didn't say this on Sunday, but Ken would call me that. Um, oh. You know that that he, he would always say, "Oh yeah, we're partners in ministry." But but I think that he looked at me like uh, one of his kids, and I know his kids. Uh, you know they're 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 friends. Um, but it was just a that's a special kind of honor. Um, that that reflects on Paul's um, investment in Timothy, in time, in love, in um, in uh, planting spiritual seeds. Just it's a just a real cool thing. I think I think that Paul saw Timothy as the person who was going to take up the torch when he died, mm-hmm. and um, I think that's part of why he said, "Man, come, uh, come before winter." Um, yeah. It's just such a special relationship, and yeah. I, I do like the way that you worded it. Um, it just makes me think of mentoring relationships, and I have somebody who's really close to my life, and I feel like very, like, I, I felt emotional just, like, thinking about it and hearing you talk about it, of how I might cry. <laughs> okay. Um, 
about how much that means to me to have that person who pours into yeah. me and helps me grow. And I look to her for wisdom and strength. And it's just such a special, I'm going to crack it. It's just a, such a special relationship. What would you say towards mentoring relationships? I, I, I just think I don't need to say anything. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're saying it right now. That, um, finding someone that you can be real with, that can pour into you, that can kick you in the butt when you need kicked, that can ask the right questions, that can love you when you're not very lovely. Um, it's That's the stuff that makes life rich. And, um, and in order to have that kind of relationship, you have to make hard decisions because you have to put yourself out there and say, can we have this kind of friendship? Mm. And and that's a risky thing because they can say mm, no, yeah. um, and then that rejection becomes really personal. But I think it's the kind of thing that if we pray and say, God, would you show me who who that person is, mm-hmm. and and we're patient and we follow God's lead, that it opens up a whole new world to us. That's that's just so important. Uh, um, the the you know again when I think about the that those three hours that we spent with Ken and Jan, um, there was just such a sense of home. I, you know I, we'd never been in their new home that they had remodeled, but as soon as we walked in, it was like oh we're home, Be, yeah. because but that was because of the twelve years that we had spent together, um, and and what Ken had invested in us in our kids. Um, it it just it, that kind of mentoring relationship is just really special, it really important. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Um, would you want to talk a little bit more about um, just your friendship with Ken, uh, maybe how that developed? And uh, I mean, you mentioned a little bit of the impact, and it's moving yeah. just to hear it. Yeah, yeah. It, you know what's funny is so here's a little bit of the backstory. Um, we were in Columbus. I was at a church there, uh, serving as a music minister, and um, and and things that the church were kind of tough and and again you know I had always wrestled with whether or not to be a minister a pastor or not and um, and I there there was an opportunity for me to work in uh, the business world that would have been a huge opportunity it would have been um, very our lives would have looked very differently had I pursued that. And, and, and what I thought was I was going to take that job and just keep doing what I was doing at the church. I was going to okay. continue to minister and use my gifts. It's not like I was going to pull out. It was just that I was going to do it for free and have another job that paid the bills. It's going to be a tent maker like Paul. Um, and, and, um, and so Ken called and said, we've talked to a whole bunch of people. Everyone has said you're the you are the guy that we need to talk to to come be on staff at the church. And I had never heard of him, had never met him. I, you know, I didn't have a clue. We were in we were in Columbus, Ohio. He was okay. in Rockville, Maryland, outside D.C. That's um, and so he asked us to come for an interview. And so I said, yeah, that'll be great because I'm thinking, no, I'm going to take this other job. Everything's everything's going to be good there. It's a free trip to Washington D.C. <laughs> Washington D.C. Um, it's it's just going to be a cool thing. And yeah. Deb said, I'm telling you, if we hop on the plane and go for this interview, we're moving to Maryland. And I said, no, we're not. And she Wise said, lady. yeah, <laughs> she said, she said, I'm all I'm saying is if we hop on the plane, we're moving. 
So you make the decision for whether we go or not. And I said, no, it's a good opportunity to do an interview, good opportunity to see DC, good opportunity for clarity. The only way we're going is if I'm so convinced that, um, that, that in that environment, in that world, that God, that everything is so clear from God mm-hmm. that, uh, that my gifts can be multiplied in a way that I can't even really express. If that happens, yeah, we're going to move. But that's, you know, there's, there's okay, going okay. to yeah. be red flags. And, um, and we went for a long interview. It was five days. And, um, and now, did you did, go by yourself? No, me and Devin and Leah, our six-month-old baby at that time, oh. uh, four months old at that, at that point in time. And, um, and we were with people from the church on, on Friday, Saturday. We never spent any time with Ken and Jan until Sunday. But then we were with Ken and Jan Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And, um, and we spent really all day together those days. We played racquetball as part of my interview at, at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And you're that. still doing it. And still doing it, yeah. But, I, I mean, I was playing racquetball then. It, just, it was a fun thing. Um, mm. But it became very clear as we were driving through um, Maryland, looking at housing, just looking at the area, um, that that Ken's philosophy of ministry and my philosophy of ministry um, fit hand and glove, and that his character and integrity um, that's who I wanted to work with. you know okay. I, I, um, I wanted to be in that environment, and it was just he and I there it, you know it was a small church. Um, I was the first person added to their staff besides he and a volunteer secretary and um, and I I can remember sitting in the car and um, and just thinking, you know what? I think that this is right because because I kept yeah, we were doing the dating thing really, and um, and it yeah. was like, okay, if you know this about me, is that still good? Uh, well, you tell me this about you. What do you think about this? And so we're having this conversation as we as we drive, and it was like, God, I think that you're in this. And then when ultimately we met with the elders, um, it it just became clear, and Deb was right all along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we moved, and it was I you know it was a scary thing to move. I, so again, yeah. some of you have heard my story because I was a music minister, and 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 when they offered me the position, I had to decide: am I a musician who does ministry, or am I a minister who uses music to do ministry? Yeah. Um, because the position was not a music position at all, and um, and I landed at a place to say, God, I I think that you've called me to do ministry, and um, and if that means no music, that's what that means. Yeah, baby. Uh, <laughs> um, and 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 what's funny is, so I went without any, um, without any responsibilities in the area of music, and about within about two weeks of when I got there, yeah. I had. Um, stuff changed, and I was directing the choir and leading worship both. And so, oh, wow. you know, yeah. it was like God gave the the desires of my heart along with it. So it was it was cool. And and Ken was just he just was great. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, he was a great friend. He was a great encourager. He, um, I was young. He protected me from stuff, which was great. Uh, you know, when people would not be happy or take shots, um, he shielded me, and I never knew about that until much later. 
um, he he gave me lots of opportunities to to um, do new things to to um, uh, to excel and to fail, um, and that that was cool. During the twelve years that I was there, I had um, responsibilities at different times in Christian education, evangelism, missions, seniors, singles, uh, student ministry. And all the music stuff. So, so the, it was like there was always there were always new things, and he just he just was great at um, encouraging and, and empowering. So, yeah. the first mission trip that we did um, when we were at Manor Woods, Ken was a part of the team that went on the mission trip, but I was in charge, and and I really was in charge. Like he was just a member of the team, and um, and one of the missionaries that we were going to visit was his niece. So it was, it really was a pretty remarkable thing because he was there to support and encourage and, and give direction if I wanted it, but he didn't, um, there was no sense of um, uncertainty about who was in charge on that trip. And, uh, and that was crazy. I was, you know, I was 30 years old and we had 17 people in the mountains of Honduras. Um, It, it, it was just, it was great. Yeah. Ken, Ken like was terrific. God really called you to a place of growth and then yeah. gave you somebody who really helped develop you, um, along the way. It, it just, it's such a beautiful depiction yeah. of God's love too. Yeah. He really did. Um, God used Ken to build a foundation that has lasted our lives in terms of, of ministry skill. So yeah. good stuff. Yeah. That's so cool. Yep. I appreciate you sharing. Um, Okay. Mm, I was kind of looking at my questions, um, but I was hoping with a little bit of time we could talk about a video that was shared this week. Yeah. Uh, um, thanks for sticking with us. We're, we'll, we'll wind down. We're, okay. <laughs> um, We're almost there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I would just encourage you if you, if you haven't watched it, watch Deb's video, the short one, watch the, the 14 minute one too. Yeah. Um, it's just a really cool thing in terms of what God has done. I, I posted it on my personal Facebook stuff, and it has just been really incredible to see. Um, you know, we've lived in a lot of places, and the blessing that it's been to people all really all over the country wow. um, as they read about people who have shared it, and, um, and uh, it's just a testimony to who God is. Yeah. And Deb's doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. It's very exciting. Uh, It's really cool to see miracles in our body um, and just ways that God shows up, but also the power of prayer is so strong too. Um, Whether that be, you know, Deb praying or, you know, our, her family and her body coming alongside of her and praying for her. Um, Cause you know, for so many years, she had so many people just supporting her and praying for her um, and just, I feel like she was an encouragement even during that time, but I hope that a lot of people were also an encouragement to her, you know, through prayer. And um, I'm sure that you were too, just having a supportive husband when you're dealing with um, long-time illness, chronic illness. Yeah. um, It's, it's like a a words fail, you know, to just talk about it. The, The one thing that I would say, um, for anyone who is suffering, you know, who, who's physically going through stuff that is just hard to 
hard to live with. Um, God's at work. That I, I think I think one of the most amazing parts of the of the um, of her story is that God chose to heal in His way in His timing. Yeah. Without any without any of us doing anything, it's not like oh we laid hands on her at that moment and right. she was healed instantly. It's not like there was somebody praying at that specific time. Maybe there was. We just don't know about it right now. Um, it it God in that moment chose. To heal her body, mm-hmm. and um, and it was instantaneous, and um, hasn't changed since. And if it does change, uh, we I mean we've talked about it. We're grateful for every day yeah. that she's experienced um, just a completely new level of health. Um, but but God's God, and we can trust Him no matter what. I, I think yeah. it's. Um, it is a testament to his power. God, I, I don't know why. Uh, uh, you know what? Maybe we'll finish up here. And I, this, is, this is where I kind of finished with the message yesterday. Um, w- I don't know why God chose to heal her and why he doesn't choose to heal other people um, who, have, who are in worse situations than Deb. I, I, I don't know why. There, there isn't any real answer except that God knows and, and God's in charge. Um, I think, we think, but what do we know? We think that it was tied to her obedience to go to Sri Lanka, her decision to go um, in spite of the cost that that was going to exact on her body. We don't obey so that we get goodies on the other side of the obedience. Mm. And it, it's, I, I think maybe that's a wonderful part of the story is that it's not like, Okay, as soon as she said yes, God healed her. It, it's it, it, it wasn't that. Um, it wasn't that as soon as she said yes that she was well enough that God used her in dramatic ways. And it was pretty. She would say it was she didn't do anything. That that's not true. But that's what she would say. Um, we obey because God calls us to. Because He's God, and because we love Him. You know that's that's yeah. why we obey. We know that He. Um, he knows what's best for us, mm-hmm. and so that's how we that's how we respond. We respond with obedience, and sometimes, sometimes that obedience opens doors, but it opens doors that we would never experience unless we obey. So the right. the challenge is really to to obey. Um, come before winter, Amen. <laughs> that's a good closing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Well, um, on that note, we'll just leave it there Um, and check out Deb's video. Um, You know, Rick was saying you can catch it on YouTube. You can look at it on the North Point Facebook. Um, Likes, thumbs up is like subscribe, um, share, comment, do all the things um, for North Point Plus. And uh, we'll see you next Sunday.